On today's Tech Bytes podcast, we're talking IoT. More specifically, we're talking about how to get visibility into and context for all the devices that aren't smartphones or laptops, but are connecting wirelessly to your network. Our sponsor is Aruba, an HPE company, and we're going to explore Aruba's Edge Services Platform, or ESP, to find out how it delivers hyper-awareness of your IoT environment. Our guest is Michael Tenafos. He is VP of IoT and Strategic Partnerships. But Michael, welcome to the podcast. So IoT is getting a lot more attention due to operational and security issues, but you know, the whole concept of connecting sensors and compute, merging them together has, you know, at least in the tech space, kind of a long history. That's a very long history. Uh, in fact, it, it, in many ways, machine control dates back to the dawn of electricity itself when motors and switches and pumps were all connected. The first programmable logic controllers came out in the 1950s, and those merged control and computing resources. And since then, we've had a pretty major focus on how we uh, reliably connect and miniaturize and lower the cost of connecting machines to each other and to applications. But now we're actually butting against the limits of what connectivity by itself will bring us. Yeah. And so when we're talking about IoT in the enterprise case, it's not just consumer gadgets hopping onto a wireless network. These devices can actually help you meet business challenges and solve problems, right? Absolutely. Uh, these solutions can help you optimize inventory, improve infection control and healthcare applications avoid collisions between people and machines in uh, surface and subsurface mining applications, even automate things like hoteling spaces and back to work initiatives. And, and solving these challenges requires something more than connectivity. It actually requires situational awareness. That's awareness of what's going on around us now and the impact of changes to that in the future. And it's really the intersection of the internet of things and network connected uh, contextual information that will make that possible. That's something we call. So there's a, there's a couple of things there. I think I'd like to sort of expand on before we get further, if I may, Michael, sure. one is that a lot of IOT is not consumer IOT. It's industrial IOT or it's uh, business IOT. That is there are machines in a factory or a plant or a sewage plant or a water plant or whatever it is. Uh, is one sort of area, and that's kind of the traditional legacy uh, monitoring sensors type stuff. But there's a whole new market in what I think of as corporate, which is buildings, traffic flows, and that sort of stuff. There's a whole that's not just you know smart lights in the home. It's a vastly huge market with large sums of money attached to it. And the industrial one sort of exists and is changing, but the other one's a new market. Is that reasonable assumptions on my part? Not really. In fact, the commercial and the industrial predate the consumer by a, a very long way. Uh, they were the first implement. That's why we have electricity. That's how we get mm. gasoline for our cars and natural gas for our homes. It's because the application of IoT, and by the way, what's new is the term IoT, but the actual systems, the control infrastructure has been around for decades and decades running all of the infrastructure that makes life modern and comfortable and convenient. Mm. But I guess I would say what I think Greg was hinting at is things like building controls, HVAC systems, or even medical devices in a hospital that would normally be someone else's responsibility because now they can get, you know, an Ethernet network connection over the YLAN now becomes IT's responsibility. So what has changed is that all of those different systems that you mentioned used to operate in isolation. But to solve a problem like infection control, you need to be able to pull information out of the building automation air handling system. You need to know where people are moving. You need to understand where patients are located. 
And that requires cross-communication uh, between systems that used to be siloed. So that Ethernet connection that you mentioned before is actually allowing the exchange of data that used to be isolated. And that has some benefits and it has some downsides. The benefit is I can now share this information with lots of different applications that can use exactly the same, for example, location data to say, this is where a patient is located. It can also identify where assets are and if there's a fire, which parts of the building are occupied. The downside of it is that I've now exposed a much broader range of devices to a cyber attack than was the case when they were all isolated before. Mm -hmm. And so I, I need to prepare for the new cybersecurity era that comes with this kind of uh, cross-sharing of data that I didn't have before. I think that's normal because IoT is so much more in terms of the attack surface. A network device, like a, the edge of the network or the devices connected to the network used to be computers and printers and fax machines. And now it's smartphones that aren't even connected to a campus, they're connected outside of an office now. And that whole surface, and that requires a different approach to networking than we've ever done before, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I wanted to flag that separation between where we were historically and where we're going to and trying to just pull that out a little bit. And if I could double click on that point, because it's, it's very important for the audience. IoT devices were designed to perform a certain task very reliably, maybe for 100 yeah. years with no service, but they weren't designed for cybersecurity. That mm -hmm. expertise sits in IT, not in the groups that design these machines. And that's why IoT itself is fundamentally untrustworthy. Mm. And so as you, as you start adding IoT devices into your infrastructure, you need to protect the network from the devices, you need to protect the devices from other devices, and you need to protect the yeah. applications that consume them as well. This comes back to the point where a lot of, I was reading something from the NCSC, which is the uh, NSA of the UK when it comes to outward facing advice to companies. And they were talking about don't trust the network is one of their top 10 points. You can't trust the network to be trustworthy. So you have to find ways to make the network untrustworthy, but still to make it trust. And that's the fundamentals of a zero trust architecture. And in this, you know, security context, I, I mentioned it in my introduction. You also mentioned it, this notion of hyper awareness. You, you need to know what's on your network, what it is and what it's supposed to be doing and also what it shouldn't be doing, right? Absolutely. So the, the fundamental tenet of hyper awareness is that you're taking data from IoT devices and you're mashing it up with contextual information like identity, location, applications in use and security posture and allowing that the meta resulting metadata to be shared among many different applications but with that comes the responsibility to provide the zero trust framework to protect everything from these IoT devices and that might include things like micro micro segmentation where you're setting up a dynamically segmented tunnel through which all the IoT data flows on your corporate network, but it has no opportunity to reach beyond that tunnel to touch any of the applications or the other corporate data that's traversing it. So is this micro-segmentation? And if it's not micro-segmentation, which is the very common term, how is it different or how does it vary? What's different in, in the way that Aruba structures these systems is that the way in which the system is set up is based on the identity and the role-based access assigned to specific devices. So if I take an IP camera and mm. plug it into the network, 
the network will automatically identify it as a specific type of camera and set up the secure tunnel automatically to the video analytics application that's consuming it, as opposed to leaving that as a, as a manual and potentially error-prone task for a skilled installer. In, in, by doing it automatically, it means you can do this with unskilled labor and the network will protect itself during ads, moves, and changes when a cable might be plugged into a different port than it was before. The system will correct for that. So can you talk about how that actually happens then? I assume this is where we tie into Aruba's edge services platform because it sounds like you know you need some you need basic network components, but you also need some kind of intelligence that's actually able to identify and then apply the appropriate rules. Absolutely. So the, the role of the edge services platform really comes to three fundamental building blocks. One is to provide a unified infrastructure and uh, this supports the use of wired and wireless IoT devices, high-speed devices, legacy devices that have been installed for years and have no security. Um, so that plugs into the unified infrastructure and ESP. Then underpinning that is a zero trust and a SASE framework in which the system, ESP, protects machines and users from edge to server to cloud over wired wireless SD-WAN connections. And it interfaces with more than 150 leading security vendors to provide that complete east-west, north-south protection. And then finally, at the bottom of the foundation is our AI-powered software that can automatically identify degrading communication, application performance before it becomes impactful, basically takes to root cause any issues that arise using machine learning in order to do that. And I think the, the part here is this, moving away from the fixed idea of I put something in a VLAN statically, that port or that wireless MAC address, and to something much more dynamic, the idea that there is software that's uh, dynamically identifying the edge and then dynamically identifying where which microsegment or which overlay that device belongs to. And then it manages the overlay to make sure that the the devices are isolated according to the security policy that you create. That's a major transition overall. In, in campus networking and branch networking? It's a major transition. And to build on what you said, it also flattens the network. Because if you think about it, with the addition of literally billions of IoT devices coming onto networks around, around the world, that creates VLAN explosion in a traditional model, <laughs> uh, which is basically impossible to manage uh, over, over large scale. Whereas mm. moving to the um, ESP model, the edge services platform from Aruba, that is automated for you and flattened. And by using identity and identity that's shared across multiple systems, we're able to onboard the devices, we're able to micro segment them, we're able to share the policy information with other security platforms, and we're able to share that information with the machine learning systems to optimize the performance of the system. Mm. So when you're talking, I mean, when I think of Aruba, you know, most people probably think of APs, wireless. But uh, if you're also working with the wired network to set up VLANs, does that mean there are, you've also got wired components as well? Or, or the other question is, I guess, what are all the elements of Aruba that I need if I'm going to build out this edge service platform? So Aruba is much broader than wireless infrastructure. We're also one of the world's largest provider of switching infrastructure. We have a leading SD-WAN solution. Uh, we have location-based services. We have cloud and on-premise network management solutions as well. 
And so, uh, and those are all connected into our security infrastructure based around our ClearPass policy management platform. So in order to build this out, typically the ideal scenario is if, you're, if you've got wireless IoT devices, you'll use our access points, which are loaded with IoT radios in addition to Wi-Fi. If you have wired infrastructure, which almost everybody does, then you'd use our switches in that infrastructure and use ClearPass to manage the policies and integrate with the different security solutions. From a management point of view, you have lots of choices. You can do it on-prem, you can do a hybrid model, or you can use our Aruba central cloud-based solution. So you mentioned uh, machine learning AI a little bit earlier, and that I know among our audience always, you know, sort of raises a flag of, okay, here comes the machine learning washing. What is Aruba doing to actually build out uh, a machine learning capability that's actually going to deliver as opposed to just being a marketing term? You know, that's a, that's a really good point because it is bandied about qu quite a lot these days. So we call our solution AI ops. And what it does is it applies machine learning to baseline application performance and can differentiate between out of normal parameters, for example, versus a drifting performance that's within normal behavior. And that avoids distracting IT personnel and prevents from chasing red herrings uh, all around the site. Using intuitive, simple user interfaces, we offload a lot of work from the operator. So basically you can think of the role of our AI operations as augmenting the operator, giving them more information in a simpler to understand uh, format, but also making recommendations on things like how do you optimize the network for better performance? Looking at a, a huge campus environment, for example, it's almost impossible for an operator to say, oh, well, if I had better coverage, for example, of Wi-Fi in these areas, I would get higher throughput. But the network mm. can do that itself using machine learning. So it's applying machine learning not for hype, but for the simplicity of operation, for the improvement of performance, and frankly, to ensure a better overall user experience by both machines and by applications. Mm. And of course, to be able to make that work, the old days of static meant that visibility tooling or monitoring tooling was a little optional in a way. You could sort of get by without it and do some manual stuff, but you also have to have visibility now. If this is dynamic and you don't know where things are and you don't have that hands-on feel, you need visibility tooling to make it go with it. So critical issues are displayed. Lower priority abnormalities are, are pushed down. So you don't, you don't give uh, the operator an alarm storm when there are multiple out-of-normal conditions. Mm -hmm. What you do is give them the most important, valuable information up front. And yeah. bundle the alerts into single incident uh, to avoid alert fatigue. And that's really important for keeping the system running and, and not uh, wearing out the operators, especially mm -hmm. in large deployments. And then being able to see where the traffic is flowing because you're not going to be able to trace it by logging into this device, this device, this device. You need, an, you need a tool that unifies all that together. Exactly. And that's what machine learning was designed for. Uh, yeah. to handle scenarios like this that are way beyond the capabilities of, of a person to understand in real time. To be superhuman. That's not hero <laughs> superhuman. That's just to be better as human at a specific task is how I see it. Exactly. A little weird way to take it, but it's a way I explain it often enough. Well, we've come to the end of our conversation. Uh, Michael, if folks want to find out more about uh, Edge Services Platform, where should they go? Best place is to point your browser to www.arubanetworks.com. You'll find all the information on ESP and the other subjects we discussed there. 
Fantastic. That's arubanetworks.com. Uh, thank you, Michael, for joining us. And thanks to Aruba for being a sponsor. And of course, thank you for being a listener. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. Follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts if you would. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.